This week on Mind Matters. Strange memories on this nervous night in Las Vegas. Has it been five years? Six? It seems like a lifetime. The kind of peak that never comes again. San Francisco in the middle 60s was a very special time and place to be a part of. But no explanation, no mix of words or music or memories can touch that sense of knowing that you were there and alive in that corner of time in the world. We had all the momentum. We were riding the crest of a high and beautiful wave. So now, less than five years later, you can go up on a steep hill in Las Vegas and look west. And with the right kind of eyes, you can almost see the high water mark, that place where the wave finally broke and rolled back. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. You cannot define yourself in reference to other external coordinates. You must define yourself internally with your relationship with a higher entity. Stop it! This week on Mind Matters, it's time to turn down the noise and listen to what really matters. Join counselor and author Rita Schulte and me, Richard Beatty, in renewing your mind because your mind matters. So come on in and join us. There was a book by the king of gonzo journalists of the 1970s, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. It was written by Hunter S. Thompson, an Aspen-based journalist who became the story. While it may be humorous and far out, as another well-known Aspenite used to say, it points to a time that relativism causes a schism of objective and absolute truth It became the new normal. It's anything but normal. Hello again, everybody. This is Richard Beatty. And today we have a special Mind Matters election special, but not the kind of election special that you'll hear anywhere else. We're not going to be looking at polls. We are not going to be looking at candidates. It's going to be a little bit more refreshing than that. We're not even going to be looking at party affiliation. We are going to ask the question, how now shall we vote? And it's more of an emotive approach and the power that we have uh, as citizens in this country. But also we're going to take a look at the psyche of America and the psychology of what media is doing. Uh, And we can call it purposeful voting. From our election headquarters, we have Rita Schulte with us. And, you know, if you look at the way things have gone, we need a counselor right now. And, uh, (laughs) you know, this is uh, uh, when you look at the events of uh, the last few weeks and uh, this contentious division that's going on in our country. Uh, We need somebody like a Dr. James Spencer uh, from the D.L. Moody Center. So for the next half hour, I ask you to put your ballots away. Don't even look at them. I'm going to bring in Rita Schulte, my co-host, and uh, actually the host of Mind Matters. And we're going to talk a little bit about James Spencer and this approach of voting and being useful to God. Uh, We're not going to talk about candidates. We're not going to be talking about polls. But this is an election special. And how you can be useful to God uh, and exercise your right to vote. 
this election cycle especially, uh, we all need some good counseling. Well, yes, because we we aren't exactly setting the world on fire uh, with our people in office at the current time. Yeah, uh, and and that, that's really the thing is that um, as as James points out that uh, the biblical context, God is who appoints people to public office. That's why when when people said in the Old Testament that they need that they wanted kings. God said, you don't really want a king. I'm your only king. <laughs> and, uh, and then they got but Saul. He did allow it to happen, just kind of like, you know, anytime that God hates something, he uh, he allows it because of the evil in our hearts. Yeah, and then we get to receive the consequences of, of all of that, just like Israel got with Saul, and it ended up being a fiasco on, on a lot of levels. You know, we we get what we vote for, and then uh, so we don't we, we so we don't complain, right? Well, sometimes we do. I mean, in the last election, everybody certainly complained a lot. Actually, our mandate is that we need to pray for elected officials. Uh, exactly. And, uh, whether whether or not we agree with them, uh, if you look at the the Book of Kings, uh, there's there's plenty of stories about. There were bad kings and there were good kings, and uh, or or there were kings that uh, did things that were deplorable in God's sight, and there were kings who uh, did what was good in God's yeah. sight. So there's nothing new under the sun. I guess my question is, why is there such hatred now? I mean, before you know, twenty years ago, when somebody got elected to president and you know, we didn't vote for them or we didn't necessarily agree with them. We still honored them as our president. We didn't hate them to the degree that all we're doing is carrying on these childish wars with Twitter and Facebook and people are family members going against each other, not speaking to each other anymore. It, what's going on? Well, I think we I think you hit on something and it's the reason why you're a counselor. We have a mental health crisis in this country. And so a uh, part of that is that we don't follow the uh the the real letter of the law is what is how Jesus said every other law falls into place when you love God with all your heart and you love people. And we've gotten away from that if we ever have been able to do that. Well, yeah, and, I, and then I don't think COVID helped. I mean, people were so, I mean, that seemed to just pick up the fire from the presidency. Uh, people just, I mean, I don't know how it was out where you live in Colorado, but I mean, living in Washington, D.C. and seeing all of that, people just were going crazy against one another. I, I know people that refused to, have anything to do with their family members uh, if they got the vaccine. Yeah, that it is, uh, and and it's still uh, very contentious when you hear when you see somebody with a mask on right. uh, because they're doing that for their health. They have a right to wear that mask. I I don't know mm -hmm. if that's if it's great uh, advice to do that or not. But for some people, for health reasons, uh, in a lot of Asian countries, they uh, they want to wear masks because they really feel that's that's for their health. Leave them alone is what I say.
Live yeah. and let live. If you want to wear a mask, go ahead. I saw plenty of people on Halloween wearing masks. Uh, listen, we went into a coffee shop this morning, and the girl that was waiting, and I think she was Asian, actually, and she was wearing a mask. And I thought, you know, there's nobody in there but us. But you know what? I say live and let live. Right. I think we should do better. equal mask time. The thing that does is is kind of funny is when you see somebody in their car by themselves wearing a mask. That, yeah, that no, still I, 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 me. But then you have to look at what's – are they Uber drivers? <laughs> no, they're not Uber drivers. How do you know? I, because I see Uber on the front of their car. It's okay. Just... All right. Or Lyft. But, we don't. We have to give equal time to right. to both of those. But whatever gets you through the night is, you know, I'm just tired of everybody backbiting and backstabbing. I mean, what happened to the virtue of kindness? Yeah, you know? that's uh, that's just... that's a good thing for your counselor to ask you. Yeah. I'm trying to, in my own life, I mean, when you think of your legacy, and I think we should think about that, especially as we talk about this topic, what do we want to be passing down about what we were known for? And one of the things I'd like to have been known for that people would say about me was that I was kind. And I think if we can think those kinds of things through, then maybe we're more likely to catch ourselves when we have the tendency to be unkind. Well, I think you hit on another uh, point, counselor. Uh, the uh, the the one thing that I I I know that uh, in the media I am responsible for, I am really trying to say, is this stuff that I would pass down to my kids? Uh, is this mm. t- is this is it kind enough? Is it uh, is it really as good as it can be? And is it something that is going to be long-lasting? Mm, that's a great point. Is it something that's going to be long-lasting? Something that you'd be proud of? Uh, that you could, Right. And I think uh, we yeah. do that with this show. We, we try to say, hey, is this something that is going to help somebody? And is this something that is going to be relevant 10 years from now, 20 years from now? And uh, are we doing what God really wants. Are we being useful to God? Yeah, I love that, Richard. That's really great. And I think when it comes to matters of the heart, I mean, we we can see that in in Scripture, beginning in the Old Testament. And so I think that's whatever relates to matters of the heart, I think will be the principles that are long-lasting. Yes, I, I agree with you. And, you know, this is one thing that— um, we're getting close to the end of our first season of Mind Matters, and uh, that is one thing I think is our mission statement. And if we can find and we can get the church on board really reaching out, because as we as we have uncovered, uh, it's no big secret, that place where people go, whether they're uh, churchgoers or not, uh, for mental health is the church. That's the first line of defense. And if we can mm-hmm. be a conduit in that regard, that's what we want to do here. Uh, we need to have more acts of contrition to each other, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So what do we want people to know as they think about voting? Well, a- according to uh, to James, and you'll hear that too, uh, that uh, being useful to God 
uh, when you go to the voting booth. Uh, of course, you have to do a little bit of homework before you do that. Uh, sure. But uh, you think about the values and the platforms and all of those things, and, and you think, okay, is this God-honoring? Is this mm-hmm. useful to God? Is this law uh, or is this candidate uh, going to uh, be, be really um, representing my values? And, uh, and, and not just from whether their religious standpoint uh, or, uh, or faith or relationship standpoint is right or not. Um, and then don't get hung up on this whole uh, policy st- thing, uh, because there's going to be there's going to be uh, wonk policy that is not going to uh, be a hundred percent voting for your values. So uh, it's it's just going in with a good uh, good mind and and realizing that your mind does matter when you when you vote for these people. I've got uh, Dr. James Spencer from the D.L. Moody Center back on the line, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about um, both uh, biblical and the- theological issues uh, and the role of, and, uh, and scope of the state's authority. So uh, let's start off with that. Uh, that's, that's probably a good one to start off with, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know. I think that the role of the church and the state um, is is something that obviously we have conversations about in America, but I I would point back to uh, the point at which Israel um, establishes the monarchy. It's really the the sort of genesis of a lot of thinking around this issue. So what we have is um, Israel is ruled by judges. There is no king. Samuel at the time is the judge of Israel, and Israel comes to him and says, we would like a king like the rest of the nation. Right. Samuel he sort of boxes it, um, but God says, no, give them what they want. And so as Samuel is talking them through, he's saying, okay, we're going to give you a king, and here's what it's going to look like. But then he, he continues and he says, but just keep in mind, and this is all paraphrased, um, just keep in mind, um, nothing really changes. You're going to have a king, that king may do these, sort, you know, these sorts of things, right? Conscript your sons for the military, take some of your best livestock for his palace, you know, all these different pieces. But at the end of the day, here's the way the nation still works. You have to fear the Lord. And so um, as we look at that narrative in, in First Samuel, what we find is that the, the structure of the government uh, has, it takes on certain characteristics. It has implications. But at the end of the day, the dynamics of Israel are always the same. Fear the Lord, and he will prosper you. And so as we fast forward then into the New Testament, what we find in, in something like a Romans 13, let's say, um, where Paul is talking about the, the role of the church and the state, we see a very similar dynamic. Paul's really just saying there, let's keep in mind that God has appointed our political leaders over us, and that our job is to respect those political authorities as we are, as if we are respecting God. Right. And so we aren't the slaves of the state. And, you know, we don't, we obviously don't uh, compromise our Christian convictions if, if the political realm tells us to, but we also don't sort of try to revolt against the political realm. And so that's sort of the biblical perspective on this, is that we respect our authorities, not because they have authority in and of themselves, but because they sort of garner an authority given to them by God to restrain evil and keep order. Right. Wow. That's, uh, you know, I, I've, I've heard that 
before you you said it uh, quite well, and I uh, I appreciate the fact that you did, uh, because that is uh, you know no matter who's in, we should be praying for those leaders. Yeah, and I I think you know one of the challenges for us in the United States is that we have the impression that we're choosing our leaders. It's sort right. of voting, right? Right. <laughs> you know, Paul, when Paul wrote Romans, the emperor wasn't voted in by popular vote. <laughs> and so um, there was a very different dynamic there. And so I think part of the complication that we often have as Christians in the United States, where we're in a democracy, is that we do have a much more active role that we can play within government and within policy. And so there, there is that act that we, we really need to be thinking through of saying, what we're really trying to do as we vote for a candidate is discerning which candidate um, is perhaps most God-honoring. How we frame that question can be very difficult, and I think that's why Christians can sit on one side or the other of a, of a political party. Um, but ultimately, as we choose these candidates, what we're really saying is, um, I'm going to cast my vote for this person, but at the end of the day, whoever God puts in place is who God has put in place. Right. And we're to respect and follow. Yeah, that's uh, and and that's a that's a hard concept to to really wrap your head around, isn't it? It's very tough. I mean, I think uh, you know if you think if you remember an act when um, you know they're trying to replace uh, Judas as an uh, as an apostle. Yes. Um, they pull it down to two people and then they cast lots. And, and that casting of lots is just something that's completely foreign to us. Like we would want to choose one of the two final candidates. We're not, we're not just rolling some dice to try to figure out who wins. Right. Um, but that typical conception of it. And, and there's a way in which that is really what's happening. And we need to reorient to that. Mm-hmm. That God is appointing even as we are casting our ballots to choose. So uh, we, we're letting the media off the hook here. It's not just the media. <laughs> in in fact, right. it comes down to the influencers at home uh, and uh, through work and through our work and, and in the community, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the, that is the difficulty of living in the United States, that when you have a government that is for the people, by the people, and of the people, yeah. we're sort of a problem. And uh, it's not it's not just the political leaders. Um, the political leaders are an expression of the the overall body's choices in in a lot of ways. And so we have a, a heavy responsibility in the United States as citizens to choose well and to choose wisely. But I think that uh, ultimately a lot of what we see in the government is very much a reflection of what we want in the government. Yes. So. It's a very tough balance to sort of, you know, how is God appointing these folks? And then what are we really choosing and influencing toward? How does all that work together? I'm not sure I could sort through it all, even in a, a longer paper, let alone a radio interview. But <laughs> these dynamics are in play, and we, we have to just sort of hold them in tension as we proceed yes. um, our voting. Yeah. Well, and and colleges and schools of journalism, uh, you have got political science and history. They're also to blame here. Uh, how how do we hold these institutions accountable to the fields that uh, that are very uh, very strong uh, in the uh, the rules of uh, of the media game? You know, I, I think two things. 
I think number one, yes, I, I agree that educational system needs to be reformed and reforming it is a real challenge because um, the, the systems that we have to sort of press into schools are um, not transparent. Uh, and so often what I say is um, if we want to fix any of these big systems, what we really need to do is coordinate. It, it can't be, I don't think, a, you know, I make a different choice for my kids and expect that to make a systemic difference in the way that education is done. I really do think that Christians need to coordinate on these matters and, and take harder stands on all of them um, as, as we just make a similar choice for education. But if I'm looking at education and what's really wrong, I would say uh, one of the things that I find challenging about any of those fields is that they're not real world enough so that students um, really understand what they're going to be getting into when they hop into journalism or political science. Yes. And, uh, what I mean by that is, um, you know, by the time you hop into journalism and realize that um, journalism is not a publicly fun- funded institution any longer, it is a business. Yes. And, you know, uh, companies may not view it as a particularly lucrative business. Um, you know, 24-7 cable news shows, I'm not sure where it falls on a relative scale, but it's a business. Um, and, and so a lot of what we're seeing is um, educated people who are being forced into an economic model. Yes, and an entertainment model as well. That's right. And because that's, so where the, that's what business is, basically, in media. That's right. I, I think, you know, one of the terms that's, that's standing out to me most recently in the literature is the attention economy. Uh-huh. And if we really think about that and you say, well, the news and the media are really part of the attention economy. In other words, their job is to get our attention. And in order to do that, um, if you just think that through, we have more control than we think over what is presented to us. Right. If we just stop watching it, they'll stop saying. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I I even remember uh, uh, when um, when they were talking about the paparazzi and um, uh, after uh, Princess Diana uh, passed away. And um, so uh, they had... Um, they they called a press conference and they were talking about the paparazzi and so they said uh, you're you're following us way too much uh, and I think it was like Sylvester Stallone and a, and a couple other people and and so they said okay we'll stop following you and so they that was their <laughs> that's their livelihood <laughs> they they had, right. they weren't getting any attention <laughs> that's right. And that's the, that's the interesting part about this whole thing is that they will show us what we're willing to watch. Right. And, and, and I think that's sort of scary for us to think about because there's a responsibility on the creator side. Absolutely. Yes. I think there is absolutely a responsibility on the creator side. What we don't often think about is the responsibility on the consumer side. Yes. And, and so, um, and we really, as Christians, I think that personally, if we want to affect things, that's where we need to start taking a stand. We need to just take a step back and say, I am no longer consuming this. I am no longer sharing it. I'm no longer liking it. I'm no longer supporting any of it in any way possible, shape, or form, 
not because I'm trying to cancel it or anything crazy like that, but just because as I discern how I should spend my time and, and spend my attention, this isn't it. Yes, that's you right. Start making well, great. This is, this is wonderful. Uh, I hope people, uh, Go ahead and get to your website and get the uh, the twenty questions. Uh, tell them, tell us a little bit about uh, Dr. James Spencer and the DL Moody Center. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I the DL Moody Center is really committed to um, being to Christians being and making disciples. You know, our desire is to be a church that is deeply, deeply committed to being and making disciples. And you know, my role there as president is to um, just really be the the front-facing individual who is echoing that that desire. Um, it's been deeply on my heart for a long time now. It's been education, higher education for a long time. I love the formational aspects that biblical and theological education can provide. But I also recognize that, um, you know, biblical and theological higher education only reaches a small portion of the Christian world. And I, I think this role is giving me an opportunity to reach out and encourage Christians, challenge Christians to um, walk more closely with Jesus. And that's been my passion for a long, long time. So um, that's a little about me and the movie center. That's great. And I'm glad that you landed there. Uh, We certainly love talking to you. And um, I think uh, the Denver audience and the Front Range uh, love hearing uh, what you have to say, and I hope they're responding well. Yeah, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. All right. Uh, Dr. James Spencer, D.L. Moody Center, thanks for being on. Dr. James Spencer from the D.L. Moody Center, and also Useful to God. Actually, the ministry is going to be called Useful to God, and so is the radio show that we are producing here at Crawford Original Radio Programs. That was the announcement that I just let out of the bag. Uh, We hope that uh, as you go to the polls, you will also vote uh, in the way uh, that is uh, biblical and and, and a good way of voting uh, as uh, being useful to God. The radio show Useful to God is going to debut on the 21st. We're going to be doing a special Thanksgiving uh, edition, and uh, we'll look back at the uh, life of Dwight L. Moody And we're also going to be talking a little bit about his approach to giving and also uh, giving thanks in everything. That's coming up on Mondays, starting November 21st, right here on KLTT. And that'll be 2.30 in the afternoon, Mountain Time. Well, as you heard, Rita Schulte has been a little bit ill uh, with COVID. Uh, She has uh, dodged that bullet the whole time. I have still, knock on Knock on for Micah. I am still uh, not. Uh, I have still not had it. I am vaccinated. There are so many resources, uh, books, uh, this show, uh, think this, not that, uh, all all from Rita Schulte, and uh, we just want you to be able to avail yourself of all that stuff. You can even get the podcast, uh, RitaSchulte.com. That's S C H U L. I'm Richard Beatty, and thank you so much. Uh, I hope that uh, you enjoy uh, your election day uh, this week. It's the midterm elections, and uh, I hope this gave you a good guideline of how now 
we should vote. So um, have a great week. And remember, your mind matters. <laughs>